And what I'd like to know is when did you fall in love with church or when did you decide to hate it? Mm. One of those two, or maybe those happened at the same time. Dinner on the grounds. Dinner on the grounds. <laughs> That's when I fell in love with it, the food. The well, food? Mine, mine started with a, a drug problem early on. My parents drug me to church all the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's the old traveling evangelist joke. Uh, Never gets old. <laughs> well, usually, I usually tell my, my dad was a deacon and uh, my parents were, it was old school Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night church. And so I said I was basically born in the nursery. So of those aspects of your childhood, which aspect of church did you enjoy most? Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday church, Sunday school. Probably, I don't remember what we did on Wednesday night. Was what children's choir maybe? Sunday night was better because they sang the more fun hymns. The the more you, fun you hymns. were allowed to sing the hymns that weren't the big heavy hymns that you sang on Sunday mornings. Um, but when did you sing the hers? That would have been on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think early on as a kid, church became that was my social. It was a small town, but it was like that was where I enjoyed the playing football outside the building after everything was over. But I enjoyed going to church because that was one part of it. And so it just became an aspect of my life. It was another family, extended family, I guess. So that mm. was my. So uh, th- as a child, there was there's no like moment. It's just the feel. It was always a part of my life going to church going and you church. loved it i think it became don't sigh don't <laughs> <laughs> there it is i, I guess so i think uh, i was easily impressionable and so would have felt guilty for not going <clears throat> and so it just became a, a part of my life part of my routine so for you is love the absence of guilt Ooh. Uh, I've just put him on the couch, haven't well, I? Okay. You have. No, I've got a lot. I can unpack <laughs> a lot because I'm just giving you the facts Don't here. Don't get a comfortable lot, on the a couch, A lot of Darryl. emotion and, and things have, I've, I've learned a lot about the unhealthiness of some of the church in my life, but um, it just was a part of my life. And you loved it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure this out. Because there are he's things he's not gonna let you off the hook. He sighed like know. fourteen times. <laughs> I'm about yes. to break out the tissues. <laughs> well, in the moment, yeah, I probably loved it. Looking back on it, I can see that no, that probably wasn't a love so, for going to church. So when did you love it? When did you fall in love with it? I don't, it's someone else. I've been talking for the first three <laughs> minutes here. Um, well, I didn't her, mean to go out of the shoots like that. But jo- J- Joni was all about the food, so she tasted. Uh, what was pudding it? Pie. Pudding pie. Oh, pudding pie. Buttermilk so pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pudding pie or uh, like the creamed corn. Uh, we one of the little ladies would make creamed corn. No, was it? She's cre- probably my age, <laughs> actually. <laughs> it's funny how now where um, I'm at, I'm absolutely. like the old man. Yeah. But it was the fellowship part of that. Like even you know, as a young person, they would let me in the kitchen to hang out and to do things and and involved me and I it was the intergenerational aspect but it was just the fellowship part it, it was extended family so it wasn't food necessarily although you remember the food it was the the this feels like Thanksgiving all the time yes okay yes. that's where my coffee addiction started I started drinking coffee as like a fourth or fifth grade could you say like one positive <laughs> thing about the whole thing? <laughs> he loves coffee that is a positive what are you talking about <laughs> They let you drink coffee? Yeah, you would go get a co- and we actually had church mugs, not labeled. Church mugs? Um, the guys that stood out front <laughs> and <laughs> took your wallet as you came in. Down. America's most We call those deacons. <laughs> we call those deacons, <laughs> those, too. The plaid jackets. Those My ugly dad had one of those. green um, mugs that everybody had. Had a whole bunch of those. The plastic ones? No, these were glass, ceramic. These I, were, like, legit. I can remember, this is not when I fell in love with our church, but the, the first place I remember ever seeing the plastic coffee cup holder that was designed to hold the paper cup inside oh, of it that yeah. 1970s oh, thing i forgot oh. about that remember those yeah uh, I, I was like ah i remember thinking that's so cool Genius. but then you have to wash that too they never no, washed I didn't. it. Oh. <laughs> so dinner on the grounds community a sense of community a sense of community pulled you in now, how old were you 
27, 28. <laughs> <laughs> They've had me in the kitchen too. I think, I know. <laughs> They're like, get it. We still kitchen. really won't let you in the kitchen. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and Robert would be like, mm-hmm. Um, I was young. Like, I think I probably was like Daryl born in the nursery. And I just remember knowing like where all the secret hiding spots in the church's church was growing up and. And like how to the get old bad. I always liked yeah. the building, yeah, and wandering yeah. around when no one else was there. Right, how to get from like one room to the next, secret like passageways, the, like secret, yeah. And then like one time our our car broke down like near there, so we shimmied in and broke into the. Um, it wasn't really breaking in because everybody knew how to do it, but got into before cell phones, got into the office, and you know called somebody to come get us. And, mm-hmm. You know, good stuff like that. So I'm interested in your discussion. Both of you, in talking about the church, have a, a link. And I don't want to bring it up yet. I want to hear what Misty has to say. But don't let me forget about that link. Misty, when did you learn oh, to love the church or hate it? I, I didn't really love the church until I was older. I was probably in my early 30s. I had gone to church off and on most of my life with my little aunt. She took me to church. And even though my mom was raised in church, she didn't go to church as an adult, so I would go with her sister, which was my Aunt Mary. And I loved it. I loved, um, like Joni said, the feeling of family. Um, My home life wasn't great. And so at church, people loved me, and they accepted me. And we had, you know, VBS and Sunday school and all the things. And um, our pastor there, though, he, he was a stern, you know, hell brimstone and fire type pastor so i didn't really kind of like jamie i didn't really <laughs> learn a lot from that until i messed up the <laughs> apostles creed yesterday i'm sorry i'm still guilty about that and i learned a lot of course from him and i was there i was baptized saved there baptized there my kids were there for a little bit um but i didn't really know about the grace and the love of jesus until Wait, later what we switched church. Grace. What's that? Grace. <laughs> Love. Did you miss yeah, that there's part? Grace in church? Love? Hold on. I thought it was just following the rules. I didn't learn about that until later in life. And then I was like, oh. And then I could put it together. And I could really start to fall in love with who, not church, but Jesus. Who Jesus is and, and is to me now to this day. And so I think for me it was when I was I was older. Okay. Yours is a little different, but these two to my left and my right. But we have not heard from you. I will tell You're you. You're not emceeing this. I will, I will tell you. Hi. <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to end. I'm just saying. I would t- <laughs> well, would you like control? Yes, for right. a moment. Give go. me the microphone right, here. Go. No, let's hear your church story. Right. So I have my earliest memories of church are in the Church of Christ. Not a happy place. Uh, I'm not sure all churches of Christ are this way, but this one was. It, I just I, I was so young. I just remember how it felt it scary and oppressive. Mm. Just that's how, that was my my feeling of it. Now some of that could have been some emotive I was getting from my folks, from my mother, but that was my. But I remember I went to for the first time I was about uh, six years old or seven years old on the church van, um, and I went to uh, our first Baptist church in the town I grew up in. And East I rem- Texas. Deep East Texas. But I remember it so clearly. I'm up in the balcony. I'm just a boy kind of messing around. But when the service started and they began singing the hymn and the piano was banging out music, mm-hmm. that's when I, I was like, I love this place. Mm. It's like it's like joy everywhere. And everyone was so happy and the singing. And I wasn't processing community or any of those <laughs> things. I just I don't think I was at the time. Either. I wasn't processing theological thoughts. I had not given my heart to Jesus yet. I mean, I just, just remember thinking, this is where I want to be. This whatever whatever else is going on in the world, and I couldn't wait for Sundays. And I, I was I was like you were. I was there all the time. The doors were open, but completely by choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rode the van, caught a ride, bummed a ride. I did too, and I had forgotten that until you said that. But when we were little, I was five and six years old. The joy bus would come by our house and <laughs> my brother and I would Sounds go like get a, on it. A hippie and busk. <laughs> I love and I never won anything in my whole entire life. Well, I was like five or six. And out of all the kids there, the very last day of VBS, uh, the teacher up there said, Now 
we're going to give a prize to the one that has been the best and the best leader and so quiet and can sit blah, blah, blah. Wait, quiet? I'm sitting here, and I won the whole bag of gumballs. Like, out of all <laughs> those kids. Oh, my gosh. And I did. I, I won the whole it. bag Maybe of gumballs. Maybe that's when I fell in love with church. Maybe that was it. <laughs> I <laughs> got stuff. <laughs> they need to pay for your dentist visit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I would guess from that moment for me in the in the balcony of that church, when the piano began to play and the woman's name, Joyce Jackson, I still remember it. So she's, I still, I'm a Facebook friend of hers to Aww. this day. I remember singing and, and, and the music and all those happy people. I don't think I've missed more than like three or four Sundays continuously since that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's when I love the church. Um, which is interesting because it has nothing to do with God. Mm-hmm. It was me, not, nothing to do with God in terms of me thinking rationally about God. Right. I believe God's all over that mm-hmm. moment, but not uh, not like me sitting down thinking, now I've got to find a place to worship because God is real and the God of the Bible is there and i got to find, it wasn't any of those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Now what, the two of you, can I, can I have control? You, you can, okay, thank you can you. have it now. Both of you talk about place. Bo- for both of you, it was being drugged to a place. Now you made a joke, but I think it was in your heart. For in your mind, your mental map of church is a place. Same way, you're in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. These people in this place. And Misty used the phrase, safe place. Uh, I'm a place where I can be. And for me, it, I'm the place, the sp- physical place in the balcony, and I see the physical things. Uh, so much of our definition of church, and whether we love it or hate it, seems to be based around physical location. place, location. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to me because when you start defining church, that's one of the things the New Testament is absent of. Mm-hmm. It's not a place. And the place that we often think about is how we define church. Um, and for me, I think I think all four of us here is the church of our childhood. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I've pastored this one here now for six years. Yesterday was my sixth mm-hmm. uh, year anniversary, Palm Sunday, six years ago, 2016. Uh, when I came here, and I love this church, and I pastored another church, two other churches, been doing this for almost 25 years, one way, shape, or another, but that church that I fell in love with it there is still in my mind what church is. That mm-hmm. that To me, that's the definition of it. Um, I still have dreams about that church, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, whenever I have horrible dreams about church, it's always that one. Um or good dreams about church. <laughs> but none of my dreams are ever. It's always like that. I'm preaching and I'm not wearing any clothes, <laughs> which is a variation on a very common dream. Yeah. Uh, but I also have the dream where I'm preaching, but I, I'm late because I can't find my notes. Those are my dreams. Yeah. Something has kept me. You don't even use me. notes. I, that's what's weird. I, I, I don't use notes at all when preaching, but I can't find them. So I'm late, and they're all waiting, and I get there, and they've all left because they got tired of waiting on oh, me. What's your What's your dream, Daryl? It's uh, there's always I'm supposed to be somewhere or do something, and I'm either late or something is delaying me, and I can't get, you know, I can't get dressed or I can't find the shoes. I can't like you're saying something mm-hmm. is is keeping me from being, and I'm I'm getting punished for it or. Or because um, that happens, I'm losing. Well, I'm losing out because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. It, it I've, I've analyzed this. It's a fear of unpreparedness. That that mm. for me, that's because mm. I also have the same dream about college. That although I haven't been in college in forever, like I graduated when I was 22 years old from college, college, but I still have the dream of I found out that I'm registered for a class. And the final exam is tomorrow, and I've never been to class before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a dream I still have. I'm like, I, uh, how did I do this? Well, you still got to take the final. I mean, it's that <laughs> you are not prepared now, for. Now it. we're a far field of church now, but that that's still in my mind what church is—a place. Yet the Bible doesn't. It, assembly is the best word to describe what a church is. Well, and it's interesting because. Your definition under Webster's Dictionary of Church describes it as a building mm-hmm. used for public worship, right? Mm-hmm. But isn't go ahead. Sorry. But then the biblical definition of church is the people. And isn't so that I ec- thought that was interesting. Ecclesia is that where that word comes ecclesia, from? Ecclesia. That's a great word. Tell us what it means, scholar. Mm-hmm. Um, as you I hold was your just iPhone, looking it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you just now in this moment decide to look it up? No, I thought of the word earlier. I was trying to think. I've heard it preached so many times. Um, 
It doesn't have to do with being called out, does it? Am I mixing words? No, you're close. All right. You're not far from the kingdom of God. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. So ek is the the idea of out, and klesia has a calling, those who've been called out. Mm -hmm. Called out ones sometimes Mm -hmm. is the way I think it's referred to as. But it actually is, that's a a gross overstatement. It's like... When we go to old words, sometimes we break them down too much because you can do the same thing with words we use all the time here. If you break them down, yeah, that's what they mean, but that's not how we use it. The word ecclesia came from the Greek political class. The ecclesia was when the city met to make decisions. In Athens, the ecclesia is what you had when they would meet and vote on things in their pure democracy. So Ecclesia was a political gathering of people who met together for specific purposes. And the New Testament picks up on that same word to describe the people of God who are called out for a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. The best word, assembly is the best, to me, is the best word to use. What they meant 2,000 years ago, the assembly, Mm -hmm. uh, when you meet together. But we've taken that word and we've really made it a building. Mm-hmm. Uh, Events, which we all experiences. Do it. We all do it. I mean, I do the same thing. I'm going to the church, and I mean, I'm going to the building. Mm-hmm. I do struggle with that a lot. You know, where where am I going? I'm going to work, but it doesn't feel like work. But I'm going to the campus, but that's a silly word. Mm-hmm. I'm going, you know. So I do struggle with that. But you know, our church started in a in a business office. So I'm wondering, how did they, what words did they use? Uh, I think they started as a Bible study, and then eventually mm-hmm. became a church, and they incorporated, and they moved to a high school, and uh, or in middle school, then a high school, and then here when they bought this property. But um, you know, during COVID, that really came, um, came more real to me than ever, it was the church being the people. I think it caused mm-hmm. a lot of people to struggle. It did. It did. I it agree with you completely yeah. that, Misty, you've hit it during COVID. We weren't able to be in the building. Right. We weren't able to assemble, and it caused some folks to just completely either freak out mm-hmm. or to lose their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those I'm seeing happen, and I don't know if we'll ever recover some of them. I'm a, I want to throw this, I don't know, a, a hand grenade or something out there because I don't know that any of you can answer this, and I don't even know if it connects to what we're talking about, but I've got something that is a, a, a British thing. You really know how to build something <laughs> up, man. I'm ready for something that I don't even think British people have been able to answer for me. And that is... <laughs> and you think that we are. I, maybe you know. You're smart. Maybe you've seen this answered. And maybe the confusion could actually parallel to the whole going to church. What is the church? British people, and maybe it's not just British. Maybe it's Europe. I don't know. They don't say, I'm going to the hospital. They say, I'm going to hospital. Almost mm-hmm. like it's, um, would that be a ver? Not even a ver. I don't know what. The, and and no one. And it's in TV shows. It's in everything. Uh, she's in hospital. They or don't like put I'm going, the. They I'm going just, to ER. Some people say I'm going to ER. Here, I've heard people say okay. that. I'm well, ER. I'm just curious why it's, it's such a thing that they say. Is it just a turn of phrase? They just don't put the the in front of it, or are they using the word in a different way, which in my mind, kind of parallels to the confusion over using the word church. I'm going to church. Well, church isn't a place, but it's an assembly, as you just said. I don't think there's a connection between these. Nice try, though. (laughs) Um, But I would like that answer. So of our four people listening, if any of you know the answer to that, please let me know. I think the answer just simply is the way we use language. In in the United States, we use the the definitive article a lot more. Mm -hmm. Mm. Too much, though. That would mean just there's one church. We're going to the church. I think some people... Intentionally, well, like Walmart. Use it that you know, way. you say I'm going to Walmart. You don't say I'm going to. Well, some people say I'm going to. Uh, the they wa- do say the I'm going Walmart. to the Walmarts or the Walmarts. Yeah, we don't say Rosses. I'm going to the Fellowship Baptist Church building. You know, um, we I, say we're going to church. We 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 like the definitive article. Um, and we use it a lot. Uh, the everything is the um, bring me the thing. Don't, specific. Don't don't bring me. But you wouldn't say I'm going church. <laughs> I'm going to, well, I don't know. Never mind. I'm I've, not going to say what I've I was derailed this enough. Well, <laughs> they would say I'm going to university. Yeah. 
they would not say I'm going to the university. And they I'm also say they also say I know that we're totally on this to off topic thing, but they I'm say maths because it's mathematics, not mathematics. So they what call they, it math. What they do with singular and plural is just like uh, athletic teams. It's um, they don't use it the same way. I would say, you know, for example, um, the New York Yankees uh, are, and I think they would say the New York Yankees is, hmm. uh, whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, so the New York Yankees are horrible. <laughs> uh, now, <laughs> is horrible. back to back church to church is a place. Back back to church. So it's the it's a group of people. Now the big question is what group of people. Because in our church, for example, we delineate between members and non-members. Um, Paul uses that exact phrase, members, to describe the church. Uh, but I don't think he means you've signed on the dotted line, members. He means those who meet and assemble. Mm-hmm. How do you define church? And are we talking about a, a phrase you hear a lot today, big C church or little mm-hmm. C church? And which one's more important? Discuss amongst yourself. Well, I just think we've we've made men membership about not us in particular, but the church about that specific group of people, and we've kind of merged this idea. Oh, yes, we're connected to all Christians around the world, but you're a member of our church because you do sign on our dotted line, or you jump through our hoops, or whatever. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's those that are in agreement of what they believe in. You know, I'm not going to go to a church where I don't believe in anything that they t- preach or talk about. Um, I think it's a body. You know, the, the Bible describes it as the body of Christ. And it's a bunch of just, um, face it, we have a church. We're all a bunch of just weirdos that come <laughs> together. But what's the common denominator? We love the Lord. and But how do you love the Lord? Because that's why we have 2,700 churches in a town like this. Because, well, we love the Lord in these three three ways, but you you only love him in these two ways. Well, you have to find what's... We, we I don't love the Lord without a lot of smoke and fog. <laughs> Some places, smoke, and no, fog, and loud music. And petting animals in a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> but I almost said it. I think I it's God's didn't. will where we end up going to church. <laughs> we are led by God's will. We're not just, I just came across this church and here I am. No. Well, hold We're, on. Let's 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 unpack a little bit. So I agree with you. We are weirdos. Uh, in fact, I've said many times. How else would we get to know these people? You wouldn't meet these people just out on the street if you saw the things we've seen in church. <laughs> I wouldn't just walk up to one of these people. Maybe in Walmart. Say, but Walmart's. Sorry. Well, I might. My husband would. I would. But really, we we would never be have the opportunity to be family in one body with these people. Churches like breakfast were fruits, nuts, and flakes. And once we come to that realization, things get better. Um, But as we unpack that idea, you kept saying, I wouldn't go to a church that did this, this, and this, that didn't teach right or didn't practice this. So It wasn't right for me. It wasn't right. Right. So you define church by you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an interesting... Do you guys catch what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. your definition of what church is starts with you, mm-hmm. and then it goes out to church. And I think we're all four of us probably guilty. I mean, that's the way I am too. I want to go to a church that matches my style, my preference, me. my beliefs. Um, <laughs> but the scriptures don't seem to. They have it the other way around. We are a part of the church by our calling exactly. in Christ. But it's not based on what we like or don't like. Right. And I think that's one of the There's no perfect church. Face it. Well, ours is. There's not a perfect church. And what are the three points of the church? You, you, you know, teach the gospel, hear the gospel. That's our responsibility and obligation here as, you know, pastors on fellowship staff is to preach the gospel and teach the gospel, be teachers. Um, The, I wrote down the administration of the sacraments of, you know, we we do things in a certain Ooh, now you're talking big words. In a certain order that you know the things that work not just for us but we we work really hard and pray about what we feel like the people want and need. It's not just about us. It's about us leading leading them as well. And I think um, church discipline. I mean there's a lot of things that go into the purpose of a church. The church, the people. So you've got 3 there. Rick Warren famously had 5. <laughs> well. Can you name them? 
Worship, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism, and ministry. Oh, you did good. Service. You did. Oh, I studied that. You hard win the purpose-driven award for the day. I was a purpose-driven nut, and then I became a purpose-driven youth ministry nut. Oh. Doug Fields and all the way. And now you have progressed to the purpose-driven golden calf, <laughs> uh, which you have all of the things. I, I used to. We must eat dead frogs. That was mm-hmm. how I remembered it, um, which is a gross thought, but. Um, well, you don't want to eat them alive. That's, that's, that's for sure. Same as your petting zoo. You don't want to pet the live petting. <laughs> for those of you listening, we're riffing today because we all got in the mail a flyer from a local church that will remain unnamed, mm. pushing their Easter petting zoo. Petting zoo. They have a live. They called it <laughs> a live <laughs> petting zoo. And first of all, we all marveled in our staff meeting this morning of what on earth a petting zoo has to do with church, which is a good place to start with this discussion. Mm-hmm. What does church do? I don't see petting zoo on the order, uh, but the idea of specifying it's a live petting oh, zoo. That's right. We don't want a dead one, um, which they're, is... <laughs> they're like 50 cents a word. Should we spend the 50 cents on live? Yes. Yes, we should. Because <laughs> no, some people might get mistaken. They might think, we didn't come for the live zoo. We wanted a dead zoo. Well, I want the Old Testament version. Oh, oh, well wow. done. Well done. <laughs> We want the Levitical petting <laughs> zoo. They're bleeding on the altar with the rabbits. The rabbits. Um, so you get the 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 purposes of the church. You mentioned three though, and those three are dramatically different. Mm-hmm. Yours yours sounds more historical, mm-hmm. right? Discipline, the sacraments, worship, mm-hmm. the, the the proper administration of mm-hmm. the rituals of the church. And then the proclamation of the gospel, mm-hmm. whether you're preaching it or saying it, those are, I, I would say, two of those would fit into Warren's category of worship. Uh, and that may thing. not be for everybody, and that's that's why I say it's God's will. I think you kind of did you not agree with it that it's God's will where we end up going to church? Because you kind of stopped me at that. Did you mean to say that I'm against God's will? I'm just saying that's where you stopped me. <laughs> no, I stopped you, but I don't remember. I don't remember why I stopped you, but I remember I was animated mm-hmm. because you're three. You 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 pulled them out there to hear the three purposes of the church, and I went back to seminary in my mind real fast. <laughs> um, I absolutely believe that God calls us to a church, and but for the record, I don't think that that's true of just ministers. It's not just no. the staff. I mean, pastoral staff, well, we'll talk real real lovingly about God has called me to mm-hmm. this church, and I feel called by God um, to be here. I think that's true. I mean, I feel called to be a fellowship. I did not see that call till I got here. Right, um, exactly. But I believe that's true of every person who's a part of our church, mm-hmm. not just the staff. God has called them here to exercise their ministry gifts but also to learn and to grow in this community. Even for people that don't think they have gifts, you know. Everybody has a everybody gift. Everybody has a gift. And if you just come, if you're listening to this and you don't believe you have a gift, you you have a gift. And if find a church, go to church and do something. Everybody and has a gift and nobody has all of them. That's an important distinction. That's why we're a body and we're all members like the scripture says. And in the Bible study the other day you said about talking about gifts you were saying the gifts belong to the church belong they're god's gifts to use in the church and if you're not doing that you're going against what god you're it's called sin sin um (laughs) that's that's a really hard word (laughs) so yes and i do but you're talking about the wednesday night bible studies yeah so the we're talking about the book of acts and i do believe that very very much Mm -hmm. that so Joni, you clearly to me just You've been on staff here for a couple of years. One of the things that I did not realize about you, we, we knew what we were getting in a lot of ways with you, but how good you are with technology and the all the interwebs and apps and the tech stuff. We, I just, I didn't, I, maybe you knew Fishbeck, but I didn't at all know that I didn't you were, either, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? So, so one of the things is, that's a gift, I believe. You mm-hmm. have this ability. Now, is it a talent? Yes, it's also a gift. God may have unveiled that because we needed it. Mm-hmm. And that's another belief I have about gifts mm-hmm. is that God will give them when you need them mm-hmm. and he might take them away when you don't need them anymore. But that gift doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the mm-hmm. church. It's You're the conduit through mm-hmm. which that gift is given. The Holy Spirit is blessing his church with your gift. Lots of folks have gifts and they are selfish with them. Mm-hmm. They let fear or pride or anger or insecurities or all those things that the devil uses to not practice mm-hmm. their gift. Therefore, they are sinning against the Lord 
by selfishly holding on to it because the gifts belong to the church. Mm -hmm. And the church, as you go to church and you just do something, just jump, you know, Greg and I started coming and I just dove in to different ministries, different things. We remember. I loved, I was here. You were everywhere. I was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Nobody asked me. I just volunteered myself. I still am. Here I am now. And, but... We'll this she's not that. really on staff. She just started showing up. <laughs> we can't get tell rid of her no. I'm just kidding. I know the code. You're amazing. <laughs> Everybody knew the code. <laughs> but the church. One, 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 one. The Holy Spirit revealed through the body reveals, um, I guess, pinpoints what our gifts are, even though maybe we don't know. But then like you're talking about with Joni and through the body and through that her spiritual, her gifts working that just um, confirms that Joni's here and she's doing what she's supposed to be doing and that, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. And sometimes we feel like, is this really where I'm supposed to be? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? But through the body and through our gifts and through the edifying, the Holy Spirit reveals it, it what's working through the church. And thinking about how many people will be part of fellowships, church body through, through all of the years, through the hundreds of years that, Fellowship is a is, you know, a, a church. Thinking that we were all here at this time together, mm-hmm. you know, I think. Well, they're going to write books. They're going to write. They're going to write books <laughs> on like. Can you imagine how it was when Joni and Misty and Carol and Jamie were all there together? It must what have been something circus. special. Yeah, they're going to write. It'll be like history volumes on it. Like you know, um, the the Fellowship Church, the beginning of the end. You know, that, that, those that's wonderful things. <laughs> I've been sitting here listening to all these comments, and I, my brain is going to explode because there's so That's many. That's twice you have referenced things that blow up. <laughs> there's Grenade so and explode. many things in my experience with church, small c, um, that have been frustrating and confusing. Would um, you take a minute and to define for those two people who are listening what we mean by small c and big c? Well, that's kind of where I'm going with this, and, and it has to do with small c is... I think the the institutions and the the machines and the systems that we create, the man-made ways we try to do church, I guess you could say, as opposed to the capital C church is the historical global um assembly, the the the, the grouping of followers of Christ. I think that's backwards. Yeah, the capital C church is Fellowship Baptist Church. The little C church is the universal church. Okay. Um, I've why? never thought of it that way. That's the right way. Well, um, you're always right. So <laughs> Jamie's right. So <laughs> just the, wait till you speak the, and then say, "Yep." <laughs> the, when you capitalize it, you mean a specific church. Well, I was saying capital as in the the proper, you're, like a proper name, God's not, church. And little c but is... But that is a proper name. It's not God's church. It's Fellowship Baptist Church, so which is, I hope to be God's church. This is a grammatical... Church. It is grammar. Okay. It's completely grammar. The, I'm horrible. The, the little c church is not Fellowship <laughs> Church, the Fellowship Baptist. The little c church is uh, the universal church, which we used to call the word... That's where the word Catholic means universal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can't say Catholic because then people think you mean Roman Catholic, yeah. uh, which is like in the... The Apostles' Creed that I blew yesterday, we don't use the term. I believe it. Go. One holy, one holy Catholic Church is the creed. I have substituted that in our use of it. One holy Christian Church. To 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 it gives the same C sound, but uh, it doesn't mean quite the same thing. But yeah, little C is the universal church. Mm-hmm. So like everyone, but capital C is for us. Mm-hmm. Okay, but so your issue is what? Well, my issue is is. You talked about purpose-driven church, um, and I still I don't I'm not opposed to his philosophy, but his philosophy the the whole motivation for ministers, at least when I was coming through the ministry, was you go to be on a church, and then your your job or your job security is to grow the church, which in most places meant numerical, mm-hmm. and so you had to add numbers somehow. And so there's so many ways. And Rick Warren's idea was if a church is healthy like a plant, it will naturally grow. Mm -hmm. So you build health into the church and stuff, but still it's rooted in this idea of we have to add numbers. Mm -hmm. And so in that becomes all 
kinds of splinters and philosophies and ideas of how do we just get more people here? And you can have attractional youth or, or yes, a youth ministry, attractional ministry where you do smells and bells and hoops and, and things. And it always has to be bigger. And you mentioned lights and fogs and stuff. And not that those things are wrong. I want a bad. spinning glow made from wrought iron behind <laughs> me. But then you get people's egos and ideas Certain and you get man trying to control <laughs> everything and, 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 and dictate and, and you get, and I, th- I feel like God's sitting up there kind of like going, wow, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> Just let me know when y'all want me to show up or whatever. And, and I think that mimics how we do our lives sometimes is we make being a Christian about um, all the ways I'm performing and all the ways I'm doing the job right. And, and we, we do that in, in the church as opposed to one of the things that I do love about fellowship is we're using this as, as an example is that from Homeyer on, from the first Bible study on, this church has been very hesitant to just put out job um, uh, wanted, not job wanted. Um, just so, posting. So just yeah, yeah, looking them. for people to apply for jobs, but we've always had someone to fill the position. And it's almost always that I can know of come from within the church every one of us who is sitting around this table was an attender or a member or something before we came on staff we've never had to just go hire somebody and so it's like perpetuated this idea of waiting and being patient and not trying to have our own agenda and i think you do that as an individual christian we're not good at waiting but as a church we try to figure out how can we manufacture these things for God. God needs us to do this by making our big C name great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many of the issues that I guess I have with church get tied up in that when people start trying to be too controlling of what they think church Well, and should I be. think when our motives are correct, you know, in Acts, I have it here, um, Acts 2, 42, and talking about the disciples, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread. And it's talking about, you know, when the church was first, Jesus came and first started to establish what a church is, and it's the people. And I think when we take on their mindset of uh, what was Jesus, his whole purpose of being here was to teach. He was a teacher, and he he taught um, the revelations that his father was giving to him. He was pouring those out and to the disciples, and to the apostles, and to the, all the people there. And when we check our motives, um, we should have the same mindset as okay. they did. Okay, so y- for you, the best definition of church is a teaching place. Would you agree with that? Um, That's what I just heard you say. Well, it's not just teaching, though. So it, A lot of it is. Is it primarily a teaching place? If you took teaching away from church, would it still be church? Um, for me, probably not. There you go, rooting it in you again. <laughs> Joni? I think it's following whatever God God is laying on your heart. So maybe it is teaching or learning or growing, but maybe it is evangelism. Isn't that what Jesus came to do? Did he teach? He was a teacher. Ooh, what did but Jesus did he come to do? Gain more followers. Well, he he came to unleash his kingdom on earth. Unleashed. <laughs> says says <laughs> super summer <laughs> theme right there. His Unleashed. Whole ministry, his whole ministry was was teaching. Right. He was a teacher, rabbi, rabbi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also died on the cross to redeem us, and in yes. many ways, I think church is the gathering of people who are celebrating that fact. In fact, I think for me, I, I think teaching is an important, important part of it. I agree with you. But for a lot of folks, that's all it is. In fact, mm-hmm. I think about what um, what a lot of folks would define a sermon as is, is, is just teaching. In fact, it really drives me insane the dichotomy that I hear from contemporary uh, church practitioners. The worship and the teaching. Mm. So they'll say, and the worship means what, Daryl? Music, the music, the, the worship is the music, and then the and then you have the teaching time when the pastor comes out and teaches. But us you something. have to think of all the different levels that people come where they're at. People know the gospel; they know they they you know they've heard it, and so the music is going to 
mean different to them. Those that walk through those doors that have never been to a church before, they don't know who Jesus is. That's our responsibility to teach them. And they're going to listen to the message in a whole different way that a, that a person that's already saved and that's, you know. Um, but it's not teaching. But is, there, is it their responsibility to just wander in off the street to a gathering of people at church? Yes, it's their responsibility to wander off the street like drunken sailors into a bar. <laughs> I'm just making that <laughs> yeah, up. I, mean, I think it is. To, that's where I learned. I mean, I learned from my pastor's past that, I mean, that's, how can it not be teaching? Okay, I, I didn't say it's not teaching as much as I'm saying it's not just teaching. In fact, the sermon is a unique thing. It's a celebration it is it is exhortation. It, um, it's informational too. I have been studying preaching way too long and way too much, uh, and sometimes you hit the mark and sometimes you don't. But when you really hit the mark, it becomes something completely other. It's it includes teaching. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. But it is also exhortation to action. Yes, it is also encouragement. It is yes. also challenge. It is rebuke. Uh, it is all of but these. But you're things. trying to t- hit. Every, we're everyone's, and that's right. not our job. And that's my, the job of, of it, the Holy Spirit. And now we're talking about, oh, I don't know. I think that there's a, to train, to rebuke, to uh, uh, all the But when you're preaching and being led by what the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart, one you don't hope. know who you're touching out there. You know what I'm saying? You don't know how that's going to lay on this person or that so person. So, yes. And so I'm, I'm now we're talking about preaching. And, boy, Misty's challenging me. She's been feisty <laughs> She's all morning. Feisty. She's taking off her shoes. She hugged She's Aubrey gonna earlier. <laughs> so, so, She's going to come at um, you. At, like at, a spider monkey. So, <laughs> spider monkey. I'm, is that a new metaphor the kids that are using? That takes things? a lot of work. That's a very that's appropriate one. So, so, the, so I, I agree with you. A sermon... Should it be bathed in all of those things? And we're not talking about church now. We're talking about sermons, which are a big part of what people would define church as. What I worry about is a generation of preachers that I see have come of age only disseminating information and calling it the sermon. Mm -hmm. They are only saying, here are the four, here, I've exegeted this Bible verse, and here are five points and fill in the blank things. Mm that are there and you have your hand and you're just giving information out and it's teaching it's good information it's not wrong information it's not it's not heresy but it's just information and calling that the sermon when biblically speaking a sermon is so much more it must engage the head the heart uh, to use the greek the pathos the ethos Mm -hmm. the uh, logos all of that must come into play for the sermon to work. And now this is, I've, I've spent way too much well, time Well, when on I that. started talking about, um, they devoted themselves. It wasn't necessarily just to the teaching, but we were talking earlier about the gifts, the spiritual gifts. And I think that's the most important thing when we devote ourselves to the Lord. And, and here I am. Do what, what do you want me to do? You know, um, when I came here on staff, I have, you know, I still have little gifts. I learn. I learn from Joni and I learn from you, Jamie, and Daryl and Kelly and, and I'm learning. And I think because I'm so diligent, and not that I'm bragging on myself at all, but I've You are diligent. I've been very diligent in my prayer life. And Lord, just give me some creativity. Just help me to know what to do. And I believe that um that He's He's done all things in that area for me. So devoting ourselves, I think, is the first step in really knowing our motives and not taking those things on as just numbers. We have to build our church because that's not what we're here to do not only i reject that i mean the a lot of things that rick warren says are true i mean i don't want to beat him up he's a good guy i think that he he put a lot of um action to his words yeah he and and i see i see no hypocrisy in him i see nothing in him that would indicate to me that he was not legitimately trying to move the kingdom of god forward however when you think about his model he did go to the most populated place in North America, intentionally, yeah, and the fastest growing place in North America, and planted a church, uh, uh, you know, and and then when his book became a bestseller, you have pastors in all kinds of places around the world trying to implement that same right. strategy in places that have like seven hundred people in them, 
and they're all farmers and trying to do, you know, but and it's just not going to work. When we're that, doing what we're supposed to do, God's going to bring the people. Well, and that's why I think that there's a difference between the doing and the being as yes. opposed to how do you do church or how do you be the church. And the two verses that come into my mind are the world will know you're my disciples by your love. Mm-hmm. And then the Great Commission says, go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be translated while you're going meaning while you're living your life make disciples mm-hmm. that's a slow process that's not oh an, it's painfully that's slow that's not mm-hmm. an invite them to come hear my amazing pastor preach this sermon right. and get right. saved that's yeah. not an invitation to come to our easter service that's 24/7 when you're not in the building how you live your life is intended to be a way I saw a quote in a. I brought several books just to look impressive. I know, I'm to, just to look impressive today, but I haven't really gone through them. But there is a quote I have written in the back, and you probably know this guy by Carl Barth. Love that name. Barth. Uh, Bart. Well, it's T H. So <laughs> uh, maybe it's ba- Bart. Uh, I want you to. Can you just trust me? Yeah, I can trust <laughs> you. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's Carl Barth, Swiss and he theologian, says very famous. The church is to contradict the world in a way that is full of promise. And I think that says a lot right there because we're good at talking about how we contradict the world by condemning the world. And I think if we were being more actively the church God intended us to be, it it would be attractional in the way that Jesus was attractional. In the way that people were draw people felt safe with Jesus. Was it Philip Yancey that tells the story of the prostitute or whatever who was just I mean she was had a horrible life she was trying to do what she could to make ends meet or something and someone said why don't you go to church and she said well I already feel bad enough why do I want to go to church (laughs) and so many churches just beat you back to the beat me up for Jesus thing here and and I think we we spend so much time focusing on ourselves and how can we be more attractional as a church than take it to the teaching and the exhortation are we challenging the people to go be Christ-like in a world so if we just you, you got Carl Barton Phil Yancey there <laughs> um, uh, well actually the Carl Bart quote was in a Phil Yancey book so oh, that's great. <laughs> of course so Bart's famous by the way Church Dogmatics I'm missing about two volumes it's a huge multi-volume set a uh, very, very famous, well-known theologian of yesteryear. I a lot of people, a lot of folks will define themselves by being Bartian, right? Uh, he's he's there. I style. know nothing about him other um, than that's his quote. He, um, so I proof texted. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good stuff. The, the and of course I love Phil Yancey. Um, the 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 bottom line from this perspective is not how you are church or how you do church, whether you be church. I think it's the the way in which you perceive what church is and um, and how it's structured. We got to come to some honest thought, though. A big part of our problem is the Bible never tells us how to, to progress. It describes church as a reality it gives us some list of offices, tells us who we should throw out, and that's kind of about it. I mean, there 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 is no real manual in the New Testament on what a church should be about doing. Um, and in terms of a location, it never talks about a building. The location is always the cities, right? Mm-hmm. To the church in Corinth, to the mm-hmm. churches in Galatia, to the, you know, the seven churches of Revelation, which those are. Those are some real humdingers. <laughs> that that's the way the New Testament goes about it. Uh, how the, we we've been at this for about an four, 50, 50. 50. Yeah. So <laughs> in one minute or less, mm-hmm. how do you perceive church should be organized? Because I think that's a big issue. How how is it organized? In my ministry, in my lifetime of ministry, this I've seen this shift from when I began. Most churches were completely free churches. All if you weren't Anglican or Episcopalian or Methodist, you pretty much every church made its decisions based on voting in the body. Mm-hmm. Well, I've seen that shift now to more of an elder, deacon, board-driven, which feels much more corporate to me, mm-hmm. where a few group of people will make those decisions. What about the pastors? Do you have a pastor? Do you have a priest? Do you have a prophet? Do you have an apostle? How many do you... 
How does that structure look? What offices are in the Bible? I mean, all of these things are real serious questions. What's a deacon? And what's the difference between a deacon and an elder? And and how these are real serious questions that the Bible just doesn't tell us how to do it at all. Mm-hmm. It just throws it out there like spaghetti against the wall. How do you feel about that, Joni? There's thanks. <laughs> well, I think we wouldn't be able to understand it if even if it if it did tell us exactly, because they were living in a completely different world than we are. But I feel like this is also a reason why we have so many different kinds of big C churches all over the place. Did I use that right? Yes. You nailed it. (laughs) Um, Because everyone believes that it should be operated differently. And um, I think sometimes we we put aside, like, the purpose of the church is to serve God and to... um, to learn to learn more but also to um bear one another one another's burdens like there's so much there and we just think it's all about serving ourselves like how is this church going to serve me you know um how is this church going to serve me um, ask not what your church can do (laughs) for you but what you can do for your church but um yeah so there's a lot in there and i probably I, don't I think even know what no, you, you stroked Sorry. a lot of stuff going on there, I, and I'm I'm fascinated by the the appeal to. <laughs> I'm not certain churches have a purpose or church has a purpose. I think individuals have purpose and calling, and our our ecclesia is where we as individuals come together to celebrate God's redeeming purpose in the world mm-hmm. as opposed to an institute we are an institution christ instituted us but i'm not certain that it is like it's we've it's, gotten it backwards though we've I, become right. the institution we've we've we put institution before we've defined Jesus. an institution and then put people in places to fill those positions exactly, right. exactly. as so, opposed to what you're saying is when you came in the pastor of this church you know you you, you were just like who's here who are we You've got your gifts. You're going to start implementing them, and you have well, but then you've empowered the staff and I've the yet people. To, I've yet to use my mad crossword puzzle gift skills here. <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm, I'm still waiting, waiting for, for that. The, I'm still waiting for Ten that. Ten-year anniversary. Um, you have— I don't think I'll make it to 10. —empowered people <laughs> yes, to use their gifts. Um, so many pastors or elders or people in authority in churches are about that, about authority. And about the power that comes with it. One one of the disillusions that disillusions is that a word? Um, disillusionments. I don't know uh, that I had looking back now on my childhood <laughs> 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 is that when you're in a very fundamental church where the pastor is preaching, he's the head guy and he's got all the right theology and the right answers, and everyone out there in the other in the Catholic churches and the Presbyterian, they're not doing it right, and they're they're they might know God, but they're not doing it as right as us. Is you get this arrogance about you that this is the way you jump through their hoops, and then if you're rewarded for jump, the gold stars. I have trigger issues with gold stars because I was the kid that wanted the gold star, so I did all the hoop jumping. And it makes you feel good, but it makes the kids that aren't able to do the hoop jumping feel very shamed, which is often what people want them to feel. So they'll do better, try harder. But then when you start to get to know the people who are passing the offering plate or the deacons or the people who are playing those wonderful, praying those wonderful prayers on Sunday, and maybe you get to see them in the outside world and you realize, hold on, something's not matching up here. You start to see a lot of cracks in it that, oh, church is the place where you go where you act like you've got it all together and you're doing and saying all the right things, but then you live how you want the rest rest of the week. And that was was a lot of my um, childhood and and experience with church because I was playing the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as an adult, you had to do some some Well, I continued to play the game, and and, and sometimes it takes different things to get your attention. well, America has set us up for that. They've set us up for you jump through all these hoops. You just blame George Washington for our problems. Oh, come on. Colonialism. Sorry, George. But, you know, you jump through all these hoops. You do all these I love these America. Things. All angry emails go to Joni. Talk about me being fasty. You jump through all these hoops. You know, you rubbed off on me. It's, it's sharing an office. That's what happens. You jump through all these hoops. You do all of these things. And then you, you, you go up higher on the ladder. And 
That's not who Jesus is. And That's if you don't, the catch is, well, you obviously didn't do it right or hard enough. Right. Pray, have faith. God will answer your prayers when he doesn't. Well, you obviously did it wrong. Right. So there's always an out. There's always a safety. I'm connected to a lot of different youth ministers on um, uh, Facebook. And it's so um, interesting just their perspective from different places. And, you know, some of them, like their budget depends on how many how many students they have coming. And they have to have, you know, you have to have 10% of your, your congregation. You need to have 10%, you know, at least 10% in youth. And, and it's just like, I, I understand you. We, we want more people to know about Jesus, but it's not a numbers game. You're using people to accomplish your, your right. goals and your missions. Which is what we do with the institution of church. We say, I have this church. We do this with, like, ministries. We have this. We just use people to fulfill the mm-hmm. ministries of the church. I mean, you hear this conversation all the time. Mm-hmm. The church has this thing planned, whatever it is, or this ministry plan. We need people to do it. And so you consu- they're, the, they're the raw material for this machine. That, that is producing this thing called ministry, which is completely bass ackards and when to you the see way in that, which it is. Because exactly, I know firsthand that, that that's going on, and it's somebody that I'm very close to and that I love very much, and it just, it makes, I'm sorry. Me, it makes me livid, and it's it's real. And, and that, it's how you burn people out, too. It's exactly how you burn people out. Eat you up and yeah. spit you out. And that's why you so see these things do? with Hillsong and some of these mega churches in the news right now is they build these big, machines on the on the backs of people and then you find out years later of all the dysfunction and the uh, the dis disease Mm -hmm. that was was there all along and And they're worshiping a person in some charismatic leaders yeah yeah but eventually the truth comes out it does and you see that and And the truth is there's a lot of rot Mm -hmm. in what passes for the church in today's culture. Absolutely. Yep. I think it's true in our in, in the United States. Hillsong, of course, originated in Australia. Mm-hmm. I think in most of the Western world that we don't understand is rot. Mm-hmm. But I think it's probably also in other places, too. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, in the global south, um, there's a lot of church growth. But I'm, I, you start digging there. Yeah, there's shallow a lot, growth. There's, yeah. a lo- there's a lot of, it's a shallow, but there's also a lot of abuse mm-hmm. And uh, cult of personalities and power plays, conspiracies, a wedding of politics and armies and guns and Mm -hmm. fear. There's a lot of rot. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that in in, in the West, we have lost our focus in so many ways. We've made Jesus into a talisman to get us into heaven. And we've made the church the business to get more talismans sold. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I was saying earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what it is? That's it. That's it. (laughs) I just didn't have all those words. (laughs) I just don't believe that church actually has a purpose. Uh, And I don't mean that in a negative way. I think that when you start defining purpose, then you start saying, well, if this is the purpose, then this isn't. Mm -hmm. If I've heard that used a thousand times to justify, uh, let me get my metaphors right. I have heard that used a thousand times maybe, to justify inactivity by the people of God. Well, that's not our purpose. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It, well, we're not designed to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, but if it's screaming at you and it's a need and you're able to meet the need, I think that maybe the the the, the, the Samaritan would probably help, right? Yeah. That kind of thing. But that's not our purpose. Our mm-hmm. purpose is over here. So you, it's a nine-to-five job for some. They go to work. They yes. deal with what they have to. They leave, and they don't think anything it's more of it. It's almost the... <laughs> the the less you try, the more you kind of find what you're supposed to be doing, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Because it's the more we plan and, and do all these things, then we create this machine. But then the more we maybe love and serve one another mm-hmm. and allow people's gifts to come out, and then all of a sudden these things start blossoming. And, yes, and, that's what um, I was referring to. It's really. a beautiful thing when people start to use their gifts in church. Yeah. It's a beautiful It's thing. messy. It's not mm-hmm. perfect, and that's where we struggle because we want to control it or we want to mm-hmm. bottle it. Oh, we had this event that just organically happened, so let's do it again next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like w- the books that became, we had the purpose-driven church, and then the thing was the organic church. Mm-hmm. But then the organic church was about how to make an organic church be organic. Right, it's you can't do it. Well, you're it's not that. <laughs> I think about the wow. Stitch Sisters, though. Like, yep. those are... Try so not to. <laughs> You'll I, be happier. 
I love them. I do too. I try not to think about them though. Um, y'all are both closely acquainted. <laughs> two of you. them. It'll hurt your head. <laughs> but you know, it just grew out book. of something. <laughs> it hurts Jamie. It's not mine. Um, it just is something that grew out of you know this who people like, were, who they were, and their talents that they had. Who knew that you could use sewing and crocheting for for a talent in to the church to become the most powerful group in our church <laughs> for sure they asked me are we meeting this week i was like y'all can do whatever y'all want we don't even tell y'all what to do the answer is yes <laughs> well like daryl said our fruits you know we're, we're known by our fruits right and i feel like being as transparent and genuine as we can at all times is, is what is important and just loving people where they're at and inviting them in and we love you we want you to be here and I'm excited to see you we had visitors yesterday that showed up that came in that they family they've been here several times and I just the second I saw them walk up I got super excited and not because it's a large family and they're going to add numbers but because I was just happy to see them that they were here and they have kids and it was just for me that's it just that's why I'm here. And I because feel like Jesus changes us, exactly. and it's exciting yes. to watch. And I yeah, love it. Current me despises twenty years ago me mm-hmm. in the way I did church and ministry. I look back and cringe at things I said and did, and think, "Oh, I know." But we learn, and we well, live. God forgives you. <laughs> yes, He does. <laughs> My goodness. Loves you. <laughs> Sorry to all of those I people think who are messed up mm-hmm. now. I think we're all that way. When I mean, when I came out of seminary, there was like, you had to go do church, make it big become the thing and it took me a while to deprogram from that i mean yeah. I, I always had a natural suspicion of it because i'm not a cookie cutter person and that was very much cookie cutter this is the model you got but the, the longer i do this now and I, i'm here midway probably midway through my life probably on the back end of my career and i just see that a lot of what i thought church was about is just not mm-hmm. it's the individual's and, and, and the church is a divine gift of God to give us the strength and the place to experience grace and the people to choose to spend life with to get us through. Mm-hmm. I, st- I still think that the community matters, authority matters, submission matters. I mean, church is a place where I learn to submit. Mm-hmm. I submit to the will of the congregation not it's not all about me and what they need and there are not many pastors that would even be able to to utter that phrase mm-hmm. that you just said because they think god has blessed them and ordained them to be the head and therefore everyone should submit under them they only submit to god's authority which is idolatry i yeah. mean that's right. to me to me that's a, that's a huge issue of everyone submits everybody has to submit now not just in the future but now because submission is a spiritual discipline mm-hmm. And if you're not in a place where you're in submission to somebody or some group, then you are um, in danger, real danger. Everybody that's, submits that's that to rock. something. Mm-hmm. If you don't bow to the Lord, you're bowing down to something else. And then that's that's scary. And it's simple. I mean, it's we make church life, ministry, I'm quote, air quotes here, um, difficult. And it's not. You know, just like we talked last week about the creation being simple. Um, the plan of salvation is simple. The way God wants us to do things is simple. Some things are hard, yeah, but at the end of the day, when we submit and ask him, you know, what do I do here? Go to him for guidance for all things. Um, it's not that hard. For me, the, the, the to put a bow on my thinking about this is the church should be a safe place. And I know people want to say Jesus was dangerous and you've got authority and church discipline and words like that, but I think to... If you look at Jesus's life and you look at the air quotes sinners, the prostitutes, the thieves, the, they felt safe to be close to Jesus mm-hmm. or were somehow drawn to him. And so there was something he was doing in his teaching and his living and his whatever that people who were broken and knew they were broken wanted what he had. And he's personal. He's a personal father. And he's I think per- our churches, the people in our pews if you will if someone can't walk into a building and feel some sense of safety or home as our people often call it here that they don't feel like i have to put on something and Mm -hmm. perform then we might be missing something safe yes i I definitely agree with that not performing 
welcome. And I'm not saying absence things. of challenging. I'm well, talking about people who... Well, I want to go a little further because I think that the real lack of manipulation, mm, yes. that, that's my... Uh, that's why I still struggle with the idea of altar calls and challenges just too much because it can feel like manipulation. I'm a Gen Xer judgment. in whom there's no guile. Judgment, judgment. manipulation... Mm-hmm. The, the fact that a, a person who comes into a church setting, a worship service, or a Bible study, uh, feel like you or an want event, something from what me. is it? What's the transaction mm-hmm. that you want me to make? You've, you've given me barbecue. There's a clown. There's a bouncy house. What is it you want from me? Bait right? and switch. There's a petting zoo. What do you want? If I get to, if I'm going to, can pet, I just come pet animals and leave and never come back again? And, and not you're com- okay with that? If I don't come to your worship service, can I pet the donkey? Uh, what what is it you want from me? <laughs> Pet the dog. <laughs> 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 Another animal. Uh, We're over an hour yeah. now, aren't we? Yes, when, 105. When I say pet the donkey, we must be over an hour. We didn't get to our any brains. of the... I've got so much... I didn't even get to any of our stuff. We probably should do church again because we that could talk good. about... We good. could talk about... Yeah. Um, I got lots you know, more abuses, notes. problems, images. Uh, music. Music, so much stuff. So maybe this... this um, Season of the podcast is over. By the way, I'm Jamie. I'm Joni. <laughs> Misty. I'm Daryl. Yeah, and we're under the water tower. We're the, <laughs> we're the pastoral staff here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Uh, we're glad that you listened. This is the last of our scheduled podcasts for this season. I think there are eight of them. Mm-hmm. So eight or ten? Eight. Eight. Okay, so we're like a Netflix series. Yes. Um, so eight of these. BBC, there would be four to six. BBC, <laughs> they do two and take a call. Ho- <laughs> we're on holiday. Um, so the... Carolyn is Brits. <laughs> We're glad you listened. We have several others. Uh, hell, heaven, creation, um, some others. Humanity. Trinity. Trinity atonement. Atonement. Yeah, some really good podcasts this season. We had a good time doing it. If you were listening to this one, they're just on the list above it or below it, depending on how your phone is organized. <laughs> um, and we're probably going to come back. We may come back with church again, uh, maybe a little mini season in the summer. We talked about having a podcast where we just talk about whatever we want to that could be fun. I thought that was today. No, no. <laughs> just That's every week. But I appreciate all of you listening. Uh, do us a favor, though. If you like the content, share it with someone. Hey, I like this stuff. If you don't, just, keep that to yourself. Just email us. It's just, fine. just email us. <laughs> Joni at. Joni at. <laughs> don't Live. All right. So thanks, guys. Love you all. Be careful and uh, have a wonderful Holy Week today for us. Yes. We're here on Monday of Holy Week. I hope it's meaningful for you as you reflect on death, atonement, and resurrection. Bye, guys. Bye.